All right, your little blast of disco this morning. A great song. Gloria Gaynor and I will survive. Neil Young. Now I'm going to have to look it up. Do you remember, Nick, who did Four Strong Winds originally? I was going to ask you. It was, it was a really weird. Eric, do you know who no, did? No. Okay, hold on. Hold on, you guys. We're going to just take a little break here. For, it's like, was it, was it Kogi Grant? You Google things on the radio? Is that fair? Where do you think that I know stuff from? I, I don't know anything know anymore. I no longer have the capacity to remember because I no longer need right. the capacity to remember. Right. All right. Four Strong Winds, Four Strong Winds. Sounds like a sailing song, maybe. Original. <laughs> who did it? Ian and Sylvia did it originally, Canadians. I don't even know who that is. Ian Tyson, and uh, oh look, everybody's got <laughs> everybody's got a phone. Or Four Strong Winds was originally done by uh, Ian Tyson, and uh, that's who I was trying to think of. That's what I was trying to think of. I have an album by Ian Tyson. He was it was recorded. He was quite old at the time. Uh, Yellow something. I don't know. Anyway, and I love the album because it it uh, it. It shows the change in the in the songwriting and the voice and everything else from uh, his years as a, a, a 60s folk singer to an older guy. Anyway, hi, Eric. Pull that microphone up there. Hi, Craig. Way. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Before we get started, can I ask, um, was Chris in the Morning on Northern Exposure modeled after you? No. Okay. But I will tell you this, that when that show was out, I never watched it. I just didn't ever watch TV. Yeah. No, I just never watched TV for several decades. I was in the bars all the time. Uh, and uh, and uh, so I never watched TV. And then, I don't know, maybe five years ago, my wife and I, and, and they're very careful with the reruns of Northern Exposure. You can't access them anywhere, which is pretty cool because it forced me to go out and buy the entire Northern Exposure uh, DVD box set. Yeah. So you're and, invested. You paid the money. You're like, you got to watch it. Yeah, yeah. And especially those early seasons are so good. Yes. And I have since then found myself a number of times um, doing uh, uh, different features and stuff, and I'll find myself sitting here like with Keith Richards' autobiography, Life, opened up with my yellow highlighter, reading it on the air and thinking... That guy was terrific. Yes. That guy, and that Chris in the morning was terrific. I'll say that show was like a seminal piece of media for me. Probably one of the reasons why I'm a filmmaker is watching that as a kid. I bet. How old are you? 39. Turned 39, 39. this last week. Yeah. So you would have been right in a spot where, where a, yeah. a popular TV show would have had a huge effect. Yeah, on very influential. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, it was like middle school and high school. Right. And I was, you know, I grew up in South Texas and I didn't have... You know, there weren't a lot of philosopher po poets in my, like, sort of sphere, so being able to see Chris in the morning and, right. um, you know, see those stories about this kind of wild place was totally awesome. And it turns out the guy that, one of the guys that was the writer, director of that show, went to the same college that I ended well, up going which, to. Which school is that? Hampshire College in Amherst, Massachusetts, like a little small liberal you, arts school. You kind of jumped all over the place here. How did you get from, from San Antonio to Hampshire? Well, I just wanted to get out of San Antonio, really. As far as you could get? Yeah, that was the, the that was, Massachusetts US? was the place that was as far as I could go that accepted me into school. So No, but it, it was a, it was a alternative kind of liberal arts education. Okay. Um, really, really great school. Best decision of my life, honestly, was going to that school. So... Texas. Nick, would you do me a favor? Would you prop that door open? See that little thing down there? Yep. It's it's the original one from when the station went in the air. You have to turn that upside down and then jam it in there. 
Is this so you can escape, Craig, or what? Do you need an no, exit? Or? Did you, yeah, I'm going to run at any minute. I, I've been known to bolt mid-interview, so be good. Uh, no, we like every radio station I've worked at in the last 46 years, I've been at this forever, the heating cooling system is bizarre. So it will all of a sudden run it up to 80 degrees, and if you prop the door open, for some reason it'll drop it down to like 67. So you will notice little... Uh, Weather systems forming up around yeah. the the yeah. ceiling it's, it's up here. It's called the radio the, microclimate. It is it's very common. Craig. It, it very is very common. And and there there are those that deny it, but at their own peril because yeah. it is science and it's best to be believed. You in get my any, book, you get any rain in here at all, or uh, no? just depends. Okay. Just depends on where I set that thermostat. Would Great. you like me to try? No. no okay. That's okay. All right. Yeah. We should probably back up a little bit here. Sure. Introduce my guest this morning. This is, and I, and I took this right off your website. Oh, gosh. So maybe don't read that. I haven't updated that in a while. Well, come on. It says Emmy Award winning documentary filmmaker. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Emmy Award winning doc, and I, and I took some out. I okay, edited good, it a little good. bit. Okay. Yeah. Emmy Award winning documentary filmmaker Eric Becker's work, both short and feature length, focuses on human rights, peace, and the environment. I'm sorry, Eric, I can't get behind any of those. those was, yeah, really, I didn't think so. You don't seem are... like that kind of guy. <laughs> Anti-human rights, anti-environment. All of the above. Uh, and it goes on to say his approach to storytelling seeks to reaffirm our shared humanity, reminding us that there are tangible solutions to issues of social justice. I liked you before you walked in the door, stop my it. young friend. No, I'm stop not going to stop it. It's absolutely true. All right. So... Your film at the Documentary Film Festival showing today, and you and this was was completed last year or distributed last uh, year? Yeah, we um, finished it in May of 2018. So we premiered okay. in May of 2018 at Mountain Film Telluride uh, in Colorado. That's a pretty prestigious film festival. It's cool, yeah. As far as Mountain Film Fests go, it's definitely my favorite. Yeah. I think a lot of people share that opinion. It's an amazing community of people. You've done a lot of films uh, uh, about being in the mountains for a guy that grew up in Texas where the, yeah. the hill country is considered uh, exotic. Yeah. I mean, in, in general, I kind of have just made films about things that I was interested in. Mm -hmm. um, I tend to be interested in people, and I don't know if you've noticed, but there's some real characters in the uh, <laughs> mountaineering world. It's, and in uh, Texas and in Montana, sure. for that matter. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, I'm not like a hardcore mountain athlete. I always like to make that clear. Mm -hmm. I'm terrified of heights and don't like being cold and I don't know how to tie knots so you know not. oh I have no upper body strength either so that's <laughs> that's another thing um, I have to eat constantly yeah don't like spiders okay. I'm terrified of pretty girls sorry should I keep going or actually yeah okay. you know I remember hearing an interview one time with with uh, Michael Stipe of REM yeah or reading an interview I guess it was and and they said and the interviewer said tell me something about yourself that you have never told anybody else in an interview. And I'm sure he was just sitting there thinking, God, I hate this part of my job. Jeez. Uh, and, and so just kind of finally says, okay, I don't like my drinking glasses washed in a dishwasher because they feel weird when they come out. Yeah, or they taste like detergent. And they taste weird. Yeah, right? yeah. So I'm sure what happened was for years thereafter, Michael Stipe, who doesn't like his glasses, what you know, making him sound like some kind of a prima donna, you know, eccentric. Well, he might have been. I don't know. I never met Michael Stipe. Is he, well, I'll tell you what, that's a, that's a good segue to the film. So the, the main character of the film was the manager of R.E.M.'s road tour for 10 years. So um, I have heard quite a few 
that is things about Michael Stipe. And we actually have photos of Michael Stipe in in the film. Um, so the road manager, let's back up, shall we? Yeah, or just let's or back just start up a little middle, bit here. You know? Oh, we started at the end, and then okay. we went to the middle, and now yeah. we'll go back I mean, to the beginning. That's actually how the film works too. When you, you know, it. it's it's an artistic form. Return to Mount Kennedy follows the sons of Jim Whitaker and Robert Kennedy as they retrace their father's first ascent of a remote mountain in the Yukon, named after JFK. So. The guy with the association to REM is who? Jim Whitaker's son, Bob Whitaker. Bob Whitaker. Middle son, black sheep of the family, rock and roller, seminal figure in the Seattle grunge scene in the 80s and 90s. Right, right. And I knew that connection, but I guess I did not know the REM connection. Yeah, REM was like his, uh, you know, he was a manager of Mudhoney Uh early on. First first tour manager of Mudhoney, became the actual band manager overall of Mudhoney and segued that into working with some bigger acts, including REM. That was his main gig for... About 10 years, and then worked with other bands like the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs and Rufus Wainwright, all sorts of other people. You ever, are you a fan of The Replacements? You know? um, I can't say I'm a fan. I know their music, but yeah, not a massive fan. There's a, there's a book released uh, a few years ago called Trouble Boys. Oh, okay. And it's fascinating. And Wild I, Ride? Yeah, and, and, and I, was, I was like you. I'm familiar with The Replacements, but not that big into The Replacements. And then I read the book, and it, it takes place because they're from Minneapolis, which is my hometown. Um, and these dysfunctional, ne'er-do-well, just insane young guys that, that achieved and then blew this entire situation. But, but they lost a, a, one of their people. I don't know if it was a road manager or somebody to REM. Oh, yeah. So there's my connection. Thank yeah, you. I'm I can glad imagine. I can put that it's in It's all coming there. full circle. It is coming full circle. Yeah. All right. So you got the sun... Which which son of of Robert F Kennedy are we talking? Chris about? Kennedy. Chris Kennedy. Yeah. And and what is is what is Chris's? I know there's about a billion Kennedys. What is Chris's? Yeah, there's four billion Kennedys. Place place in this world these days. Um, he is uh he's a businessman in in um in Chicago does real estate development, but he just ran for the governorship of Illinois. Okay. Um, didn't make it past the primary, but had a pretty pretty awesome campaign. Okay. Um, really worked hard at getting out there and spreading the word. And that actually happened. So he did that campaign, what, like two years after we did the climb. Okay. So there's interesting parallels. What was your, what was your read on him? Oh, he's a great guy. Was he? He's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're, uh, you get a little like, well, first off, we decided to take him to this remote mountain in the Yukon. Um, (laughs) Which always brings out the best in people. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And he was great. I mean, he handled it amazingly well, um, better than the rest of us. Probably. Uh, we were always nervous. Does he have better upper body strength than you do? Well, I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) I did a pull up last month. Did you? Just one. Yeah. Yeah. All the way up? No, halfway. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Medium pull up. I don't want to strain myself. Um, no, he did really great. We were nervous that we were going to drop a Kennedy off the side of a mountain. So that would be. We were more nervous for him than he was nervous for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would that would affect one's reputation at sure. least in the short run. Yeah, there'd be a few news articles about there that. There would be. Okay, yeah. and okay. So and then and then uh, Mr. Whitaker, who is the original guide, mm-hmm. uh, how did how did it come about that that he guided Bobby Kennedy sure. up this mountain named after his brother John? He was. Famous uh, in the mountain world. I mean, he was he was just like an iconic figure in America in the in the 60s after being the first American to climb Mount Everest. It was akin to the moon landing um, in the way that it was sort of promoted by the American government. He was turned into this like very high level figure. And so when Bobby Kennedy decided to climb the mountain, they wanted to get the best guy to do it. And the best guy was Jim Whitaker. Interesting. 
And how did you get connected with Jim Whitaker's son then to, to do this documentary? Did they contact you? Were you guys associated before that? or No. In fact, no one ever contacts me really to make <laughs> something. Although that's not that's not totally true. I, I made a short film about Jim Whitaker in 2012. I was actually hired to do that by university. Okay. Um, and Bob Whitaker saw the film and really liked it. He sent me an email that was basically, hey, I saw the film you did about my dad, really sweet, oh. um, really liked the treatment about it. I think, you know, Bob is Bob is very anti-machismo, like peak-bagging, chest-thumping, alpha male, mountaineer kind of thing, partially because right. we all kind of reject our, whatever our fathers do, like right. we reject, right? right? Like, my dad was on a low-fat diet, I'm on a high-fat diet, take right. that, dad, right? Um, but uh, anyway, Bob saw the film, he thought it was maybe a more nuanced treatment than he'd normally seen about his dad reached out to me just to say, hey, that was great. Um, we had a little email exchange, and then he invited me to his cabin, like off the grid, in in deep eastern Washington in a town I'd never heard of. What was the town? Uh, Republic and Malo. Yeah. I've just, been through there on the motorcycle. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah you, it's it's out there. It's way out there. Um, so he sent me that email like, hey, do you want to come hang out in my cabin? And I was like, eh, that's creepy, but thanks. <laughs> but I ended up, a bunch of buddies and me uh, needed a cabin to go to one weekend. We just wanted to get away, and... I was like, hey, Bob, how about that cabin? So I ended up staying there before I ever met him. He ended up coming to a, a screening of, of the film. It was called A Life Well Lived, and we became buddies. And soon after, he kind of pitched this idea of Mount Kennedy to me in an email at, you know, 9 o'clock at night or something. And right. on a Thursday, I went back and found all this. Um, and I was probably three beers deep and was like, yeah, sounds great. Yep, that's the time you want to make those decisions, yep. those, those life-changing decisions about taking a well-known rich guy up on top of a mountain when, uh, that he might fall off of. Yep. Nicely done. Okay. You know, I have another connection now that I think about it. We were talking about Minneapolis music and 80s music and stuff. And uh, you remember the band Soul Asylum? Oh, yeah. 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 Runaway Train, Never Coming Back, that sort of thing. They were from Minneapolis. Oh, okay. And uh, Perner, whatever his first name was, uh, the head of the band. And I I thought of this because you are so self-deprecating talking about you can do half a pull-up and all this kind of stuff, right? So I read an interview with Dave Perner is his name. And in that interview, the guy said, tell me the most embarrassing thing about yourself or one of your most embarrassing situations. And Dave Perner said, I realized after describing myself in several interviews as self-defecating. <laughs> That's funny, because if you were to ask me my most embarrassing story, it would probably be along those lines. <laughs> That that he was using the word wrong. All right. So let's get back to the movie, shall sure. we? Okay. So you followed these guys up the mountain. I assume you did not lead the expedition. No, the no, we'd you, all be dead now if that how, were the case. How many people were involved in the filming on the mountain? Um, two of us. Two of you? Yeah, so myself and a gentleman named Mikey Schaefer, who shot a lot of Free Solo, the film that's out right now. Uh, oh, okay. By Alex Honnold. Yeah. Right. Mikey's like an amazingly talented rock climber. Um, I brought him along because he knows how to tie knots, and I'm just so clueless in those environments right. that having Mikey both as like a very talented shooter and also someone who knows that whole thing was critical. When you finish a film like that, how do you go through the process of deciding what doesn't make it into the film? Oh, like with the editing process? Yeah. Um... I mean, yeah. some things are obvious, I'm sure, but is it difficult when you come down the home stretch to say, God, I really like this, but I've got to take this out? Uh, 
You know, it's it's interesting. I didn't feel like there were things that we didn't get in this. I didn't have that like we got to kill our darlings. Right. I think that we like we used every piece of the buffalo. It seems like in this <laughs> and, and more and more. Um, we found organs that we didn't even know existed to to cram into this thing. So yeah, I mean the editing process overall was the biggest challenge of of the film. There's so many intersecting narratives. I mean, now the challenge is like explaining the thing because it's about rock climbing, Kennedy's father-son relationships. and mean explaining music. it before somebody saw the film. Yeah, like right. we have trouble getting, you know, a good log line about what the film is because it's kind of complicated. But, yeah. Yeah, because what I've got here is in 1965, Jim Whitaker led Robert Kennedy on the first descent of a remote mountain in the Yukon named after JFK 50 years later. Yeah. Yeah, that's not but a tagline. You know, Eddie Vedder's in it. Yeah, it's got amazing music from all these different bands. It's got unseen footage of of Mud Honey touring around the world in the '90s. Like it's just, it's not just about rock climbing. It's about so many other things. And one of the most common things we hear from audiences or people that see it is, "That's not what I was expecting to see," and it was so much better. Cool, which is way better than having people say, "Yeah, dude, I thought this was going to be good." Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. exactly that's exactly what I thought I was going to see, and it was garbage. <laughs> The film shows at uh, MCT. Have you been to Missoula? I always ask filmmakers no, this. No, first really? time, Craig. You've yeah. never been to Missoula? No, no, I haven't. Um, I mean, I've driven, I think I've driven through here. Cause I've driven Everybody from, says it, yeah. Yeah, because like we're on the interstate. Yeah, yeah. yeah, to Seattle. Yeah. Um, are you going to stick around for a while, or are you gone after today? Um, I don't know what I'm doing yet. I drove out here from Boise, so. Oh, okay. And, you know, filmmakers are just like, we're so impulsive that you could ask me, and I could tell you, oh, yeah, I'll be around, and then I just decide to leave. Yeah. Like a cat, just just, fly, just running off the couch. I used to do room. that when I drank, you know. You'd just be, be about 11 p.m., and I would just get. Get in your car. Get in, <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, that's not good. I would, I would walk sometimes, you know. <laughs> Of course, those were the days when a cop would pull you over and say, if you've been drinking, you'd always say two beers. And they would say, they would say, do you think you can make it home? What guy ever said, I am so drunk. Yeah. You really ought to arrest me right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But that was then. Where were we? Boise. Boise, Idaho. Yeah. Yep. Moved there two years ago. Do you call it Boise or Boise? I, I call it Boise. I don't do it right. Yeah, because I called it Boise forever, and then I found out it's supposed to be Boise. 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 Yeah, that's too much work. Well, well, just I'm going to do Boise. I speak for a living, you know, Yeah, Eric, so I've, I've, I've got I've to think about this. philosopher poet. Kind of think about this yeah. stuff here. Yeah. What if I pick up a book that says B-O-I-S-E in it, and I say it wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, myself and a lot of other people who have decided to move to Boise recently are working on the branding. Yeah. You know, we're trying to make it less <laughs> potato-based. You're going to just, just call it Bob yeah, from here on out. Boys. We're from Bob, Idaho. Return to Mount Kennedy, MCT. Have you been over to MCT yet? Yeah, I was over there yesterday. It's I, a nice uh, spot for the film. Yeah, I actually have not been in the theater yet. I've just Haven't been in the building. It's very nice. It's yeah. a, we, we saw a film there on uh, uh, Sunday night, and it, it's a really nice place cool. for showing. Six o'clock, MCT, part of the 16th annual Big Sky Documentary Film Fest. Eric, it's been a pleasure. What a good time. Thank you, Craig. Thank you for coming in. All right. Appreciate Bye. it. The film, once again, is Return to Mount Kennedy, and uh, it shows at 6 o'clock at MCT. My guest this morning, Emmy Award-winning documentary. What did you get the Emmy for? A uh, film I made called Honor the Treaties. Oh, I saw that's that's a, that's a short film. Yeah, it's short. It's yeah. like 14 minutes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Eric Becker, my guest this morning on The Trail, 103.3.